if you're crushing coffee, you're crushing life. I think we saw that immediately. I give you full reins to put that on your pro wrestling tees. Welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody, um, with me, your host, Jackson Stone. And uh, yeah, super excited for my guest today. Um, we've had like <laughs> quite a bit of scheduling conflicts over like the past four months, I would say. Uh, I've been trying to get him on. Um, it's probably because he's busy doing whatever, being a superstar. Um, but I got a, uh, a good friend um, and uh, MLW superstar on today, Richard Holiday. Yeah. I mean, you know, definitely busy being a superstar, but the scheduling conflict, <laughs> man, those the, we just couldn't nail this down. Yeah. And I think I just texted you and I was like, I booked myself for your show because I was like, hey, man, listen, I just want to talk to you. I, so l- let's do it via the podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's slowly what this is becoming in, becoming since I haven't seen, I mean, I haven't seen you since December of 2019, right? So we're basically a year. And so now I'm like, well, I just want to hang out with my friends. And also my friends are super interesting people with like cool stories and insight about whatever they do uh, outside of wrestling. And so, yeah, now it's turning to let's hang out. And here we are hanging out. Yeah, let's just talk. Jackson talk. <laughs> Jackson and Richard talks, everybody. That's I mean, we, we were once a very booming tag team called Lights, Camera, Marketing. <laughs> I think we had like, like three official tag team bookings. <laughs> We didn't get the proper recognition that we should have gotten, and we, we didn't get the indie push that we should have gotten as well. I mean, to, uh, what a total dropping of the ball by promoters. I mean, LCM could have really been a, a huge movement within the tag team division of, of independent wrestling. I mean, I think so, but, you know, you're, uh, you're in a different team now, so it's okay. You got Hammerstone. He's, uh, he's the better stone, I think. <laughs> Oh man, the, the two stones. I don't know why I gravitate to these stones, but uh, yeah. <laughs> he is a good yeah. stone. Yeah, he, I'm a big fan. He's he's a great. Seems like a great guy. Um, great. great guy, one of the best. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and he's he's been going through some stuff. Um, so I hope his girlfriend is doing okay. Um, I think girlfriend, right? Girlfriend, not wife. Girlfriend. His girlfriend Courtney, who's an amazing person, um, and I was so happy to see, I texted him this too. I said, man, like social media is totally just a constant drainage of mental health. Like it's such like a, 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 just a negative environment most of the time, right? Like, don't you feel the same way? And it was so nice to see social media actually do something really positive and make an impact, right? Like, the GoFundMe was such a huge success and, and people from all walks of life, you know, helped out a human that was in need. And, you know, of course, I'm so close to Hammer that, you know, I wanted that to happen. And, and it did. So I texted him. I was like, hey, man, listen, like social media did its job today. Like I'm a good day on social media. Like a check one for the good guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about that uh, social media. I think very much on this on this episode today. Um, but 
before we get to that, um, today is December 7th. So we're filming it on December 7th. This episode will most likely will come out sometime in January or February in 2021. Yeah, because the podcast, the podcast has taken a, a few week break in, in December. Um, and then season whatever, two, three, I don't know. And there's no season. So I'm just taking a break in December. The, the Richard Holiday episode around the holidays and just play on my last name. But um, well, maybe, maybe we'll have to redo the planning. I'll talk to my people. Um, my people are just me, so I can be easily convinced to post it on another day. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a foolproof plan, right? Richard Holiday around the holidays, but I don't know. I maybe, I'll, maybe I'll drop it on Christmas because uh, no one's ever doing anything on Christmas. No. No, nobody. Um, but yeah, and so, um, yeah, speaking of Hammer's girlfriend, I hope by the time this episode comes out, she's doing way better than um she was before i think she's already doing brilliantly and so that's awesome um shout out to her and hammer um but yeah so normally we start this show with a very um simple question but i think it, it holds a lot of weight um i think it holds a lot of weight especially in today's world um and so i'm gonna ask you this question i hope you answer it um honestly um and go into as much detail about it as you want but uh richard how are you doing for real I am doing well, I, I would say, and you know it, it's been a very challenging year, I think, for everybody. Um, you know, I've had some personal things in my life that have happened, and I I don't really divulge too much into them on social media because I try to use social media just as a platform to enhance my career, not as much so to talk about my personal life. Um, but it's been a challenging year. And then this is obviously probably the weirdest year that anybody our age or, or really anybody living right now is ever going to live through, right? Just a, a really odd time. Um, but I, I think I'm doing good for, for the most part um, from a mental standpoint. And then, you know, with wrestling, it was almost nice to have a break. I think it was almost nice. Um, I've always been an advocate for, for a potential off season in wrestling mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that later, but you know, I thought it was nice to have that break. And then of course you start getting antsy, you know, it was like early April things shut down. And then, you know, by like July, you're like, all right, I think I've had enough of this. I kind of want to just start wrestling again. Um, and I remember once I had my first show back, it kind of like alleviated a lot of stress. And I was like, all right, nice. Like we needed that. I needed that. Um, and, and now at least where I'm living in Connecticut, it's not as bad as where people are living in California, right? Like I feel like every parts of the country are dealing with what's going on today differently. Mm-hmm. It stinks, but I mean, it, it is what it is. Some governors just run their states a little bit differently than others. Um, but overall I'm doing really well and I hope you're doing well too. Yeah, that's yeah. Excellent to hear. But yeah, I feel, I feel the same on some of those points. Like I've always believed in an off season first off, you know, cause both you and I come from a, um, a sport background, right. Where you train throughout the year for a specific season that has an end duration and then you give yourself a rest and recovery period so you can perform at a very high level year after year on a consistent basis. 
and uh, go ahead. I mean, it's 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 like any major sport, right? Like you 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 train for the end result. The I mean, the thing about pro wrestling is that there is no end result. It's just continuous, just a continuous cycle, um, which is awesome, right? Like that. That's also what helps separate pro wrestling from other pro sports is just that <laughs> continuous. Cycle. Um, I don't know how you would incorporate a, a, an off season amongst normal times, right? Like no pandemic, pandemic never happens. I don't know how you incorporate an off season. Is it possible? I'm not sure. Probably, but I'm not sure how it would make sense. You know, logistically and financially, and you know how that would work for major tele, uh, you know, cable uh, publications. I I don't know. I just thought that the pandemic was a perfect time to do it. Yeah, for the most was, but major major companies didn't let that happen. Yeah, like I mean, I we me personally um, have no control over what any of these major companies do, and there's so much more that they have to worry about than just the week to week television, right? Um, I can speak personally on how independent professional wrestling uh, can take an off season, you know, but that comes down to more of uh, are we working together as companies or are we just individuals in this like big sea of individual of, of independent professional wrestling? But if all the companies, say the ones at the top, you know, decide every, I don't know, pick a random month. It doesn't matter which one it is. We take that month off. There's no shows, right? But how does that hurt the performers, right? Because you're an independent performer. You don't get paid if you don't wrestle. So now we lose a month of shows, which possibly could be anywhere between 12 and 15 shows. And now we're not making any money. And so there's a whole more question to it besides let's just do an off season how are we going to set up funds to still pay wrestlers how are we going to set up a salary a relief fund support group all these things that go into making independent professional wrestling a little bit more of a business rather than just dudes throwing on some underwear and going to wrestle every weekend in front of fans right and so people talk about it being a business all the time and independent wrestling can be but we have to set up more more things in place to make it more of a business and run smoothly and allow performers to take rest um, without it hurting them, without it hurting their stock, without them getting, you know, this guy's going to take your spot because you decided to heal your, your knee for, for three weeks. Right. So there's so many different things in play. Um, but it could start at the top, say if a WWE or AEW decided they were going to give their performers four weeks off, it would trickle down in indie wrestling. Um, but it's still not the same because those guys are on salaries and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I don't know what MLW or like ROH or um, Impact would do, kind of those all three companies in the same kind of realm would do, but that's my thought process. Yeah, I, and, and then, you know, on the other side of the television screen or, or on the outside of the ring is like the consumer, right? So the consumer is starving for content, right? But starving for content. Um they they always and we also live in a world of of dissatisfaction, right? Like nothing ever really pleases the consumer. It's always it's always analyzed. It's always critiqued. It's never just like it's never just like getting up from from the movie and going, "Oh, that was a great movie," and walking out and not thinking anything of it. Mm-hmm. It was always just like, "Oh, well, I would have rewritten this scene," and "Oh man, I I really wish that this actor made this facial expression during this moment." Blah 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 blah. blah. 
And we just have a world of dissatisfaction. Um, and I, I do believe that dissatisfaction has a direct correlation to accessibility. Like too much accessibility just gives like, um, like a certain power to the consumer where now they, now they feel like, because, you know, they have their hands in so many different pots that, you know, they're offering, you know, their tip on the recipe. I've never really agreed with that. And, you know, I, I just feel like the off season going back to the off season would do well because Distance makes the heart grow fonder. That's the tr it's it's very true words. Um, it holds its weight, and I just think that making consumers crave something will make your product better, mm -hmm. and it, it'll it'll create more emotional investment within the performer to the consumer, or even the the consumer just to the brand. Right. Like imagine if if a WWE took off six weeks, just six weeks. You know, I, I don't think it needs to be months like like MLB or NFL. It doesn't need to be like that. But, man, I mean, if there was just like, hey, you know, like um, Monday Night Raw ends on, you know, two weeks before Christmas and we'll be back February 1st. Like, wow, like imagine that six-week period of craving. and mm -hmm. It's just food. It's just an, an interesting way to, to look at things. It'll never happen, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it will never happen. Uh, people just don't want to give up the money. Because mm -hmm. then you got to look at it from the financial perspective. It's like, okay, well, you're on USA. USA wants weekly television every single week. You know, you're on TNT. They want they want that weekly television. They need those consumers to watch every single week because we have we have um, sponsors. They got to get paid. They got to, you know what I mean? It, it's just a vicious cycle. But it's just uh, it, it, I've always looked at the business from a different and more interesting perspective, and that was just one thought I've always. Yeah, I. Uh... I was going to ask you about that. Um, so it's good that you kind of segued into that question. But I mean, when I when I met you, I, I knew right away that you kind of kind of like a different uh, view or perspective um, than the majority of guys I that we would meet on the independent scene. Um, is that something you cultivated pre wrestling and then just kind of took it into your wrestling career? Um, or is that something that you were taught or you just kind of figured out along the way because you have a a degree in, in these kinds of things that can help you, uh, you know, see a business from a different view. Um, but yeah, touch on that. I think it was a little bit of both. You know, I was, I was trained by Paul Roma who, who was in the, was predicated based on the way that he grew up in the business. Right. Um, I also think that my degree in marketing played a huge role into it and not just so much that it was a degree in marketing, I just think it was the fact that I have a four-year degree, that I went to school and, and graduated from a university. Mm -hmm. I think that sets, you know, and I know you're a college-educated man as well. It, it kind of just sets you apart mentally, right, from other, from, and, and not just independent wrestlers, but, you know, people in general. Um, so, 
it, it, it's it's just one of those things where I just I looked at the business differently because I I, I had that background. Um, I was also much more mature when I entered pro wrestling. I entered at twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, you know, at, I, I know guys that started training at eighteen. 16. And part of me is a little envious of that because I'm like, man, I really wish I got a head start on that. But part of the, uh, a larger majority of me is saying, I wish that person went and got an education. I wish that person went to college because I think it would have helped them from a business perspective. I think it would have helped them from just a maturation perspective. And I think that's so important, especially if you want to get you know a, a job in a major thing or, or more importantly, especially if you want to have a career within wrestling when you're done wrestling, right? Like I, I think that's important as well. Just long-term planning. Um, you know, the way I wrestle also promotes longevity um, because I want to have a nice long career an entertaining career. And, you know, I don't want to sacrifice my body uh, there's a, a selling point of of Richard Holiday is my body. Uh, not that I'm a you know Mr. Olympia or anything like that, but um, I do believe that when I walk through the curtain, I look like a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. It goes a long way. There's just so many different ways to view the business. Um, there is there a right way to view it? No. Um, are, are there good, better, best ways to view it? Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we got in the, we got in kind of on the same path, right? I, I got into wrestling around 22, 23 after I caught, co- after I graduated college, um, stopped playing baseball. Um, but I think what you said, like holds so much weight, especially now, right? Wrestling was shut down for an extended period of time, uh, especially for the independent scene. And most of independent wrestlers, we got our identity through wrestling. Like that was who we, we we were as people. And then when that gets taken away from you, what else do you have? Like if you started at 16 and now you're 21 and wrestling was your full-time job, but you never cultivated any other interests, you never kind of dug deeper into who you were as a person. Uh, and that's hard. That's a hard realization to come out and, and just get it ripped away from you, you know, out of nowhere. Um, but it's also a hard truth that you need to kind of process and figure out what you want to do or what's important to you or what has value or what brings you happiness outside of just being a professional wrestler. Because knowing that also adds value to you as a wrestler because then more people can connect with you on a deeper level because they know that you enjoy this or you went after this or you do this. And now you're not just this one-layered person because none of us are just a one-layered person. We have so many deeper parts of ourselves that sometimes we don't want to expose because it may be scary but I think showing people a lot of yourself is very important, but it allows for that deep, deep connection. So I think that holds a lot of weight, uh, especially right now. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I mean, a, a lot of people take a lot of pride um, in, in, in just, you know, just showing their love for professional wrestling and really nothing else. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like pro wrestling, pro wrestling. Pro wrestling. And that's, Totally fine. I mean, like, there's a lot of thought that that is the way to become successful is to be so obsessed with something that that's what drives you to, to do what you want to do. So I don't really shy people away from, you know, that mentality. 
You know, I, on the other hand, I do have interests outside of pro wrestling. That does not take away the fact that pro wrestling is my number one, numero uno, ultimate goal, mindset at all times is pro wrestling. But I do have other interests outside. Um, you know, like you and I, we have, a, we have a love for coffee. I will say this. One of my dreams and aspirations is to open up a coffee shop when I'm older and, and operate one. And if it's successful, open up two, open up three. Um, I, I would love to get into that. Um, you know, there is some interest uh, in, my, in my life within the stock market and, and things like that. Um, you know, educating myself. Um, just being more than, you know, a, a pro wrestler, I think, is important. Especially for mental health, especially in a, in a like a pandemic is the perfect um, uh, reality for that, because like wrestling got stripped away from everybody who wasn't signed to WWE or AEW, it got stripped away, taken away, just plucked right out of thin air. Um, so it's kind of like, all right, well, what else? What else did you have to get you through that? Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You've, uh, it's nice. You've, uh, you've mentioned, um, you've mentioned mental health a few times so far in the show. Um, and I think the people that watch this podcast regular listen or watch whatever this podcast regularly know how important that is to me. Or if you follow me on social or if you're only watching this podcast because it has Richard in it, um, maybe you don't know. Um, uh, but mental health is extremely important to me. Um, and so, What's it been like for you uh, navigating your mental health, um, navigating social media, and navigating just all the uncertainty that's happening in the world um, over the last, you know, eight to nine months? Yeah, mental health is, is something that's catching a lot of traction now within the past, I don't know, maybe year to two years. Um, but it was something that, you know, people shied away from speaking, speaking about, especially males. Right. Like males, more often than not, they don't want to discuss their mental health because they view it as a sign of weakness. Really not at all. Um, vulnerability, I don't believe, is weakness. Um, I think it's human nature. Um, and I think masking that is a, is a sign of weakness, actually. But my mental health is, you know, I'm a very driven person. So I think having that constant drive and having that forward thinking approach has always helped my mental health. Um, I, I, I just think that it, it, it coincides with, you know, just staying the course and, and understanding your long-term value. So I'll use like pro wrestling, like as an example, um, you know, I, I view this as, you know, a long-term thing. So like if something in the short term, is exactly where I want it to be. Or if somebody else is, is, you know, if, if my success is going at, you know, this, this quick, somebody else's success goes like this. I don't look at that and go, Oh man, like I'm unsuccessful now. Like you can't do that. A lot of people compare themselves to other people. And I think that's a big factor in their own personal mental health. Mm -hmm. Compare yourself to anybody. And if you just focus on your own continuous progression, what am I doing better? Did I get better today? Am I better today than I was yesterday? You're going to be okay. And, and, and that's for anything in life, right? Like if you're a college student and, and like 
you know, you're, you're, you're struggling in a certain course. Just look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, well, am I giving myself my best effort in this course? Should I study a little bit more? Yes. Start studying a little bit more. Start studying a little bit more. You get a better result on your next paper, on your next exam. Just continuous progression, right? Like that goes for anything in life. Um, so for me, I've always had that mindset, especially in pro wrestling. So, you know, my mental health in that aspect um, has always been strong, and I'm fortunate for that. Um, other people, not so much. But social media, and I've, and I've touched on this before, man, you want to – if you're somebody who, who is easily um, triggered or somebody who is, you know, easily, you know, manipulated by somebody else's words or somebody else's tweet or something like that, social media is, is – is a very vicious place for you then um, because you know, you can, you can send out a tweet and be like, man, this, this is going to be the tweet that's going to make me super successful. Everyone's going to retweet this tweet. And then you check your phone in six minutes, right? You tweet and then you check your phone in six minutes and you're like, Oh man, like, I only have two likes on this tweet. Like, should I delete it? Like, I thought this was the one. I'll give it 10 more minutes. Checks the phone again. Oh, man. Like, where, where's, where, how come nobody's retweeting this? Like, that's the worst. Why is nobody liking my Instagram picture? <laughs> like, and I'm not even talking about people in pro wrestling either. Like, I'm also talking about like a 16 year old girl who's having self esteem issues, but she thinks that this one picture looks really good and the boy that she likes is going to like it. And it's going to make her feel great. And then in an hour, she gets like 12 likes and she's like, oh, my God, I'm ugly. Right. Like social media has the power to to literally break you. It does. Right. Am I wrong? <clears throat> no, I mean, yeah, there's there's lots of social media. But one of the aspects of it is what you're exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it, it, it's bad. On the other hand, you know, social media is good. It does enhance your career. It does allow you to connect with consumers. It does allow you to further your brand. It does allow you to test new things. It allows you to get your name out there. And social media is a necessity. It's an evil necessity. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a necessity nonetheless. Yeah, I think we, um, we have to treat social media very similar to how we would treat anything else that may be an addiction, right? We're supposed to drink alcohol in moderation. We were supposed to watch that. We're supposed to monitor that, right? We're supposed to eat fruits or uh, eat sugars or candy in moderation because it's bad for us. It can become addic an addiction. It's the same thing with social media, right? You have to, the thing about social media, the only way for it to be a positive is if you go in with an intention for it to be positive. Social media for me is an amazing place. I've been able to reach people, start groups, uh, start companies, you know, start a business, all these things that has happened just via in the quarantine. And since I started posting about mental health, right? But I go in with the intention to look for positive shit, right? I only, I only read tweets from people that I know I follow because I know what they're going to post. I only consume articles that may be beneficial to me. Right. Of course, it's hard to completely get away from the negative comments or the people replying to me. You know, I even get negative stuff on my tweets and I feel like that's I don't know why, but it happens. Right. 
And so if we go on the intention with social media, with a positive outlook, intending to be, uh, look at good stuff and use it in moderation, like I always tell people, do not look at your phone 30 minutes after you wake up or 30 minutes before you go to bed. Because we're right away, we're doing exactly what you said. We're looking for that validation if someone liked our photo. And we wake up right in the morning and we look at our phone and we're like, nobody liked my tweet. And now we put our headspace in a terrible, terrible perspective because we're getting validation from a cell phone rather than waking up, looking at the stuff that we have in our room, making our bed, having some coffee and just trying to live in a sense of gratitude before then we check our phone because maybe we got to get to our emails or we need our alarm clock or, you know, other stuff that's kind of imperative to start our day. Um, but we have to set an intention with social media. We have to be direct about it. We have to be purposeful with the way we use it. Just like when we talked about Hammerstone, that's a beautiful sense of people coming together, sharing and raising money for a woman they probably don't know, but needs help. Right. And we see that all the time with these GoFundMes. And that's like a beautiful thing that can happen. But then there's a comment who someone, then there's a tweet about someone saying, man, I don't really like pineapples. Right. Okay. And like 72 replies are like, fuck you, fuck you. Pineapples are great. Fuck you. And like, come on. Well, like, he just like, they just like pineapples. Like, it's okay to have a debate and an opinion. But the way you present yourself has to be with understanding and with empathy. And that's like just a thing about, you know, so much that's happening in today's world. Um, but yeah, I just kind of went on a tangent, but I tend to do that. But yeah, any thoughts? No, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it's you know, and I'm not even speaking with with personal experience, right? Because like, like I said, like it's that maturation that you talk about. Like, I don't look at social media that way. Like, I know why I use it. Like, all right, this tweet didn't get like, look. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna stick my head in the pillow and cry about it. Um, but other people do, um, and that was kind of the point that I was trying to make. And, you know, another thing with social media is that, you know, people will just voice, like, their opinion. And I'm, I'm quotating opinions because I'm not even so sure that it's their actual opinion. Like, a lot of people will just join in. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, people are tweeting about this? Okay, cool. Oh, all right. This is, a, uh, this, this is the hot political point of view of the day. Let me get in on that. They might not even believe it. They might not even know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, for me, I see stuff bad. I'm just like, let me get off Twitter for three days. I remember when I did the MLW tapings, I told Hammer, I was like, Hammer, dude, like, I don't know. I saw some stupid political tweet and I was like, I'm done. I just don't want, I don't want to see this stuff anymore. Like, I, I hate reading about, you know, this person's opinion on, on this political issue. And it's just like, geez, like, I don't know. For me, I don't log into Twitter to see your political issues or to see your political standpoints. Uh, so I was like, off for three days. And <laughs> me and Hammer, I was, I was like, Hammer, like, I'm dying to check my phone. I am dying to check my phone. And uh, I set myself, I think it was like five days. I think I lasted like four and a half, to be honest. Uh, but it felt good. I was like, get me off this thing. Like, Give me a little cleanse. Like, Give me an off season. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things in moderation, though, um, not coffee. That's the one thing where it's like no moderation. Just pound it all day. Um, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree and support that. <laughs> just a continuous flow. Just I mean, 
slow. But it's, uh, I mean, this is not coffee, but it's like, I don't know, eight o'clock here in, in Dallas. Yeah, 8.30, and I have some caffeine, so it's not like I already have four or five cups of coffee today, so. Yeah, I mean, just just whatever. Um, if if uh, a lot of coffee is your one vice in life, hey, man, you're doing all right. You're probably crushing it. You're probably moving and grooving, shaking and baking every day. Yeah, you're definitely crushing life if you're crushing coffee. Um, there's going to be a, a Richard Holiday slash Jackson Stone coffee in stores at one point. I actually think that we just came up with a T-shirt right now. If you're crushing coffee, you're crushing life. I think we saw that immediately. I give you full reins to put that on your pro wrestling tees. You want to do that? Let's do I mean, <laughs> sure. I can, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd sell it. Let's go. Yeah. If you're crushing coffee, you're crushing life. I love that. I'm actually going to tweet that later. You should. That's a beautiful tweet. Speaking of social media. <laughs> Um, all right, I want to kind of, uh, yeah, it's good. Social media, yeah, social media is a good tool, but it's got to be used appropriately and uh, use it appropriately. That's the moral, that's that's paraphrasing everything we just talked about. Yeah, I mean, it's just like real life, like real people are tweeting these things, and we just got to understand that there's someone behind the computer or the phone, and uh, they deserve some understanding and empathy. And if you don't have anything nice to say, don't tweet it, turn your phone off, take a deep breath. And come back to it in a bit. That's it. I like that. Um, but yeah, let's. I want to get into some sports with you. Um, so we both have we both have a deep sports background. You play football. Um, so let's talk about your football career. I feel like it's not that well known about your football career. Um, so let's talk about it. When do you when do you fall in love with football? Was that your first love, or was wrestling first, and then came football, or what? You know, my first love actually was basketball. Mm. That was my first love. And I played basketball and baseball before I played football. Mm. And I was so I'm about 6'2 now, but I wasn't a tall child. I didn't really get tall until like my senior year of, of high school, freshman year of college. So I was a little bit shorter. Not like short, but like I wasn't tall by any means. Um, and I was a heavier kid. I was a heavier child. So, like, I used to have a sweet stroke with basketball. I used to hit, like, my baseline J's, like, you wouldn't believe. Like, I didn't really have, like, and I was an all-star, right? Like, we had our, our, our rec leagues, like, as a kid. Like, I was on the travel team. Like, you know, I traveled to different states and played against other kids my age. Like, it was cool. But, like, you know, basketball was never going to be uh, my thing. Baseball um, just – wasn't going to work for me. I wasn't a good baseball player. That's, that's, I hate admitting when I'm not good at things. I was just not that good at baseball. Football, I picked up pretty easily. Um, I didn't start until I was in probably seventh grade. So I played football. Um, offensive lineman, nobody loves it when you're an offensive lineman. It's just like an all guts, no glory type position. Mm-hmm. And when you're like 13, 14 years old, you don't really get that. You're like, I want to score touchdowns. Like, I want to get chicks. Like, no one, <laughs> no one gets chicks as an offensive lineman. Um, and, you know, you realize how important it is. And I was actually quite good at it. And um, I played all four years of high school. A little fun fact about my high school, we went 0 in 32. 
Check out this hair, though. But also, wow. Oh, and 32. So my freshman class was actually pretty good. Like, you know, there's freshman football. It's differentiated from varsity. My freshman football team went six and four. So we're like, okay, we got a nice little class coming in. We're going to be pretty good. You know, most kids, you know, stopped playing, you know, got into this, got into that. You know, I stay the course. We go 0 and 11, 0 and 10, 0 and 11. Wow. Just awful. Just a terrible football team. <laughs> oh, my God. So bad. Um, but, you know, it was, a, it was a testament to the type of player that I was because I ended up going to play Division Two football. You know, for a very good school, the University of New Haven, which my sophomore year, we actually finished number five in the country. Ooh, that's awesome. We were an awesome team. So I, I literally went from rags to riches in terms of, of football, like own 32 to a D2 powerhouse. Um, but again, an undersized lineman for my, for, for, for my position, right? I'm like 6'2", 245. And it's like... Like the offensive linemen, those are the hog mollies. Like you got to be like sixteen hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing was, was I always had it in the back of my mind. Now I'm a lifelong pro wrestling fan, lifelong. Um, but I always had it in the back of my mind. I'm gonna be a pro wrestler. I can't get fat. Mm. I can't get fat. So my coaches, they were like. We need to gain weight. We need you to gain weight. And I'm like, all right, guys, chill. Like, I'm going to be a pro wrestler, so, like, relax. But um, my at the end of my freshman year, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to gain weight. Let me gain this weight. I went up to, like, 275 pounds. Ooh, big boy. Big boy. Just going to the dining hall, pizza, chicken patties, pasta, like, not caring, whatever. Um. Then I like just sophomore year, just looked myself in the mirror and I just said, Coach, I'm done. Mm. I'm done. I want to be a pro wrestler. This is it. Like, I, I'm not going to the league. I'm an undersized offensive lineman. It's not going to happen. Um, so I shed the weight and then I went to school. For the, last, two, for the last two years. What's that? I actually transferred schools. Oh, okay. I transferred schools so that way um, I could focus more on wrestling. So I was living on campus at the other school. And then I went back home, focused on wrestling, finished up my degree um, in marketing, and it's history from there. Right. So, so you played two years of, of college football. Two years, yep. What do you – what do you take away from your football career, especially when you were losing on a consistent basis into your, which made, which would you take it into your pro wrestling career? I mean, because for pro wrestlers, we have setbacks and failures on a consistent basis, you know, and it's, and it's to the same point you spoke about earlier about comparison, right? Like, why is that guy getting a booking over me? I'm better than him. What's that? What's this? You know, all these things that are totally out of our control. The only thing we can control is being prepared, being ready, being the best shape possible, uh, being the best in-ring player we can be. So how did your sports career kind of help you navigate pro wrestling? Well, I think it's a perfect parallel, right, to staying the course mm -hmm. because the cream always rises. Shout out Macho Man. The cream always rises, and I stayed the course.
I very easily could have quit midway through my junior year and just been like, we're going nowhere. I'm going nowhere. We're done. Let me quit this. Let me go. 100%. And no one would have said anything. You guys were 0 and 11, 0 and 10. No, they probably would have encouraged it. They probably would have been like, yeah, get from that. Like, that's a tough environment. Like, you're just losing. But like me, I'm just like, man, like, I still love this. I still love football. I'm good at it. Like, there are certain positions within sports that could change a team, right? Like quarterback, starting pitcher, point guard, right? Like, these can change your franchise. Offensive lineman, you know, left guard, right guard, very important. I mean, like, if you want to talk, like, the ins and outs of football, offensive line, most important thing on the entire field. But, like, you sign, like, the best right guard in the league, like, it doesn't make it, – it's not going to completely change your franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, man, I'm good. Uh, let me keep playing. So my – we got a new coach my senior year. And he saw something in me, and he set up a ton of college visits for me. And because like my other coach, like he never set up college visits for the senior class ahead of me. He was just a terrible coach. But this guy got me a uh, a few college looks. I got recruited actually to a few Division three schools, and then you know we got in contact with the University of New Haven, which is Division two. And I was intimidated to go there because I'm like, man, I'm coming from an own thirty two program. How am I going to hang with these guys? Mm. The legit dudes. And the fact that I was able to hang there and the fact that I was able to, you know, play in games because I did, I redshirted my freshman year, but I did appear in, I believe it was six games my sophomore year. So the fact that I was able to go from a literal garbage team to hang in with the big boys was a testament to me. And it's the same thing in pro wrestling. It's like, if you're good and you know you're good, but maybe you're not getting the crack you're getting right now, stick with it. You'll get that crack. You'll get the crack. Absolutely. You're so right. Yeah. And so also, I think another important thing to note is that you you played a position that doesn't go recognized. You're not making headlines. If you guys win a championship, no one really knows your name, right? But you're an integral part of that squad. You're a very, very important part of that team. And so what would you, because I feel like a lot of people, I mean, that's a parallel to what's happening right now in the world today. A lot of people are doing so much hard work and saving so many lives, but getting very little recognition for their work. How, what would you say to them? How did you navigate those feelings? What would you say to those people right now? I mean, recognition is not everything. And don't crave recognition. If, if you know you're doing good work, if you know you're doing good by you, um, stick with it because the recognition eventually will come. And like, I'm like the major recognition. Like you don't need a recognition every single Monday morning. You don't need that. You don't need the recognition week to week, even month to month. But recognition is more important via yourself. Mm. So take a look at it from a year out, year in, year out basis. So I do that every year with my wrestling career. And I'll be like, okay, what did I accomplish this year? And I'll run through what I did and I'll go, it's a hell of a year. Like I did good. And I think that, and I think that recognition of your own self-worth 
is more important than the others because eventually the others will come. Um, I think The Rock, I don't know if The Rock stole this quote, but I love The Rock so much that I'm just going to say that he came up with it. Let's go. Uh, I think it's, if you're good, you'll say you're good. If you're great, they'll say you're great. Right? I might have mixed up the words a little bit. That's the truth. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you said you said something that's super important. That basically was the way you answered that question was basically how I wanted it to go. <laughs> um, but basically, recognizing your own self worth is all that really matters. Right. It's all that really matters. There's so many people right now, you know, who've been working nonstop throughout this whole pandemic. Right. And I hope. I hope that if any one of them watch this, that they recognize their self-worth is so fucking high and important uh, um, that it doesn't matter anyone else recognizing them, even though we should as a population because we make, they make America run and we couldn't do shit without them. Um, but I hope that they recognize their own self-worth because that's super important. And so I'm glad you said that. Thanks, Richard. Absolutely. You're welcome, Jackson. Okay. Um, so cool. That's your sports career. I was going to ask you a bunch of, uh, <laughs> like, po uh, generic podcast wrestling questions, like, you know, who trained you when you first start. Um, but, but, you know, I'm not going to, okay. I'm a better, I'm a better interviewer and podcaster than that. Oh, be better. Clearly how this conversation has gone in many different directions. So yeah. Um, but I won't ask you that, okay? I've, I've seen your tweets. I get it. I don't want to be, I don't want you, your father slash lawyer to yell at me. I don't want to get something in the news. You know, I don't need that, okay? I got enough on my plate, okay? You know what's so funny, too, is I've done podcasts after I tweeted that, and those podcast hosts will refer to that tweet, and then they'll ask me the questions anyway. <laughs> and, I'll go, and I'll just laugh. I'll just go, my God, we are not getting better as a society. We're just not getting better. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, no, yeah. Um, then I'll just go and I'll go, I liked wrestling my entire life. Same as everybody else. I always loved it. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, dude. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like this is the perfect time for a pee break so you can fucking digest and come back, but... We're not taking a pee break. No pee break. Anyways, um, but so yeah, we talked football, but let's talk a little baseball. We both have a strong love for baseball. Um, what do you think of the shortened season this year? What do you think of the Dodgers? The Dodgers finally getting the win in the World Series after just just not being able to crack the big one for the last couple of years. I mean, so interesting. Um, is there a caveat on the seat on the season? I don't know. I mean, all every single team in the league had the same opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, baseball is much different than basketball and football because you typically play 162 games. That's a long season for people who don't know. <laughs> I almost feel a lot of people will will, will say that like. Baseball from April, May, June, even July is kind of like meaningless baseball. Like people will say that. Like me and you both know that that's not the truth. 
you need a win in April just as much as you need a win in September. Mm-hmm. No, that's the truth. But this season was interesting because it was like we're we're, we're starting like with our foot right on the gas. Mm-hmm. You need to win right now. You cannot afford to drop this series. So I almost kind of liked it. Um, baseball, I think just like wrestling, is meant to be performed in front of fans, uh, in front of consumers, because it, it is difficult. Um, it must have been very difficult for the players. Mm-hmm. You know, it was an interesting season. My Yankees, you know, disappoint me yet again. Um, I'm glad that the Dodgers won one. I made, I, I, I'm not, not even so much the Dodgers. I'm glad Clayton Kershaw won one. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, he's just – he's got to be a top three pitcher of my generation that I've ever seen personally. Uh, not a top three pitcher of all time, just of my personal generation. Um, so it was nice to see him win that. Uh, what did you think? I mean, you're more of a baseball guy than me. Um. Yeah, no, I, I have some of the same views as you do. Like, it's so interesting to me because if you look at 162-game season and you look at – the guys who have the best numbers going into the all-star break, normally those guys don't win the MVP. And so that's what's so interesting to me is that you could have this amazingly hot start and then baseball is challenging, man. You can fizzle out. And if you go over 15, over 20, over 30, that can take you out of your whole season. Um, And so it's so interesting. You're starting, you know, you're starting the season off with half the games, right? So if you get hot right away, you're there, you know, and that's why you saw, like, I wouldn't say random because they're all major league stars and they all have major league quality abilities, obviously. Um, but guys you hadn't heard of before doing some things, winning this, doing this, you know, getting hot right away. Like the guy for the Rays who had, like, 10 home runs in the playoffs, you know. I'm not sure where he was before, um, but now he's in the history books, you know, and he, started, and he was amazing. Um, so it's interesting to me, like, and I, I was interested in, like, how, like, who was preparing – every day throughout the pandemic because it's very difficult to get your arm in game ready shape to throw 95 every five days like it you don't just like stop throwing for a couple months pick your glove up do some arm circles and then go throw 95 like it takes a lot of care and effort and so i wonder how much in limbo they were like who had facilities open who has a pitching cage at their house like how were they able to prepare um which led them right into their season because spring training wasn't as long as usual and some of the games got canceled because of covid and it's like a very interesting season. Um, but I also don't think there was a caveat on it or there should be an asterisk next to it because everyone had this exact same um, deal. Like everyone was in part of the same exact, you know, circumstances. So, yeah, it was a cool season. Yeah. Do, do you feel like – do you feel like because – now, the, when did the season start? It started in July, correct? Right. I, that, yeah. Did that, benefit, did that benefit the pitcher or the hitter? more because I think batters haven't seen a live pitch since September of the previous season, unless they made the postseason. but then a pitcher hasn't faced a live, a pitcher could, I don't know. I I thought it benefited the pitchers more because you were seeing insane strikeout numbers within the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like if I, uh, I mean, I haven't played baseball since 2014. If I saw a kid throw 60 miles an hour at me, it would look like 112 miles an hour, yeah. right? Because my eye contact and my 
you know, vision is not there, right? And so I think it's really hard to get in that zone of hitting again. But once you do get hot, you get hot. That's why people, you know, if you if you read about guys who say they're on a hot streak, they, they seem like the baseball looks like a beach ball and they're just, you know. But I do think it's a, it's a bit easier to get your arm there faster than it is to uh, to get your, um, the, the hitting stuff down. So I agree with that. But we're seeing way, we're seeing way more strikeouts than we ever have before. I mean, there's more guys throwing like a hundred miles an hour than ever before, which is insane. Like I've seen, I faced like 97, 98 once, and man, it's like it's fast, bro. It's fast. Yeah, it, it, it's like the game is the game is almost sexier than ever. I don't understand why people still will bash it. Mm-hmm. They'll still say it's boring. It's this and that. It's not boring. You got guys throwing 99 miles an hour, and and then when they hit it, they're cranking it 450 feet. Like, there's nothing harder in sports than hitting a baseball. Yep. Um, that's just my perspective. I've always felt that way. I um, totally agree. It, it, it's like, what does MLB have to do? What do they have to do to to reach? They'll never reach NFL echelon. They'll never reach it. It's just unfortunate. But, you know, like the NBA, I'll tell you one thing. The NBA did an excellent job positioning itself. Um, and, you know, I don't know if this is controversial or anything, but it, it's just the truth. Is they position themselves in such an excellent way with the, with the Black Lives Matter movement um, and did such a good job. And Adam Silver was a tremendous, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, advocate? Um, no, 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 no. He he's, he he runs the league. I don't know why I'm I'm literally drawing leader a commissioner. Uh, My oh, girl. okay. Oh, you wanted his job title. You wanted his job title. You wanted his job title. I knew his job title. I have a college degree, Jackson. Uh, Adam Silver was such a tremendous commissioner, and Rob Manfred was god awful um, in just complete polar opposites. Like the NBA handled, the NBA handled all of the societal issues flawlessly. Um, mm. The Black Lives Matter movement, COVID, they handled these very sensitive issues with care. Rob Manfred, complete opposite, just a terrible. Um, like the starting and the stopping of the season dates and, you know, with all the, the money with the owners, I think that put a sour taste in people's mouths for basketball mm-hmm. and baseball. And I think that people looked at basketball and they go, oh, wow, like they're really running this ship right. Um, I don't know if that's, that's exactly accurate, but, you know, I, I felt that way, at least, you know, from my point of view, why these two um, – you know, leagues navigate and, and try and push through and become better. Yeah. Um, I mean, off your original point, then I'll get to what you just said. Um, baseball for a lot of people is a very slow game. And it's only slow because they don't know the ins and outs of it. Basketball and hockey and football are easy to digest. They're fast. This happens, you get this. There's so many intricate details in baseball that if you're if you're not well aware of some of these things, um, then it, the game seems boring. 
right? But those who fall in love with the sport of baseball know how majestic and romantic it can be. And then we follow it, right? So I think if there was, I think it's weird to say this, but maybe if there was a way that MLB could educate more people on, on baseball, um, that would be cool. Because I'm in, I'm in youth sports right now and I coach a lot of baseball. And there are a lot of boys who love the game. And there are a lot of girls who love the game too. And it's amazing to see that. But there could be more. Because baseball teaches you so much about life that I think even football or basketball can't teach you. Um, that it'd be, it's more, it's, it's better for, you know, for people to get in there when they're younger and learn those life lessons about failure and, and all that stuff. Um, it's, it's America's pastime. We need to, we need to keep it going. Yeah. Um, and so then I think in terms of what you were talking about, uh, about Black Lives Matter and COVID and how the NBA handled that in such a beautiful, delicate, uh, important way is that the NBA has a lot of athletes who are, uh, on the front lines of talking about important issues. And in MLB, you don't really have that. You don't see the top stars in MLB ever talking about the important issues or saying, this is what baseball should do, or this is what we represent. And I know they do care about it. And I know they have practices probably in place in said locker rooms, which we're not in. So we don't know those details, but in the NBA, they have someone like LeBron who is talking about these important things, who's putting his, his word out there who's influencing his, the other players to talk about these important things and make movements forward and stand by something that's just bigger than the sport of basketball. I think another problem with baseball is that there's, there's no Hogan, right? There's no John Cena. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that, basketball does a great job of creating stars. LeBron James was the top draw, and for the most part, kind of still is. Yeah. He was the face of basketball. Football, um, there's there's a few guys, but right now it's Patrick Mahomes. Right. The guy. Baseball is like Mike Trout should be the guy. Like, but he's not. And, and, and it's unfortunate. Like, why is Mike Trout not? a mega mega star it's, it's probably his own calculations yeah he probably just doesn't want it he doesn't want that kind of uh life um and then there's a guy like bryce harper who like wants to be the guy but his statistics just don't back up being the guy mm -hmm. and a pitcher will never be the guy because pitchers don't hit home runs right and the game is all about the home runs so it's like, all right, we need to make Aaron Judge the guy. Uh, well, he can't stay on the freaking field. And in a 162-game season, it's so – like you don't see Cowboys and Juniors anymore. Mm -mm. You don't see guys that play every single game. So baseball is like in this really odd situation where they can't create stars. Yeah. And if pro wrestling proves anything, is that you need to create stars. Very true. I mean, you're so right. I think I think a guy could be like uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. He plays with a lot of spunk and swag, and he's good, and he's young, yeah. and he's and he's bringing a new energy to the game of baseball. You know, just like pro wrestling, very similar in baseball. There's so much old school like paradigm mentalities that new school boys don't want to. I want to. I want to have fun when I play the game. 
I want to talk shit to the pitcher. I want to pit my home runs. Like these aren't disrespectful things. This is how two highly competitive athletes go at each other. It's friendly. It's real. I'm facing you in the ninth inning with two outs and I just dropped a bomb. Now my team's winning. I'm allowed to celebrate. That's, that's sick. And if the pitcher strikes me out, he can do a backflip on the mound. That's awesome. That's competition. That's real yeah. stuff, you know, and we do that in our, and that should be celebrated. We do that in our everyday lives, right? If I'm a college student and I get a 95 on a test, I'm going to celebrate, right? If I'm a baseball player and I had a home run to send my team to the World Series, let's go. Pop the champagne, you know, and, it's, and so many times in baseball, we like, like Fernando Tatis hit a home run on 3-0 pitch. And the, I'm just going to bring that up. And the whole sports world went nuts. I'm like, he's not allowed to do that. Why not? Why can't, why can't he hit a home run? He's a major league baseball player facing another major league pitcher who decided that I'm going to throw three balls in a row. Not on purpose, obviously. He was trying to throw strikes. But he didn't because we all have those kinds of mistakes. And then Fernando was like, if he throws one down the middle, I'm going to hit a tank. And he did. Yeah, he was scrutinized pretty heavily. And it's like you're setting the game back. Now you're, you're bringing baseball backwards. Because you're not allowing it to progress and bring that sexiness and that flair that it needs. Like, I thought Jose Batista was doing an excellent job of doing that. But, like, like he kind of, like, started the bat flip movement. Right. And, uh, like, brother would hit a home run and he'd get killed on SportsCenter. Right. I don't get it. For bat flipping. And it's like, no, dude. Like, you got to let these dudes ball out. You got to bring some flair to the game. Have to. Like, I get it. If, you're, if your team is down seven runs and it's the third inning and you hit a home run and you pimp it, chill out, dude. Like, that's you're, – you're still down 7-1. Like, that's just like, no, okay? But other than that, in intense situations, like, if you're feeling it, feel it, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you got to let that – you got to let the game be fun. Like, you got to let the boys play, and that's what it is. I agree more. Um, wow. Yeah. I just got real passionate about that. I got fired up. I guess I was holding that back. I really wanted to talk about that. Baseball, dude. We just <laughs> yeah. I can't. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So on that, do you think the Dodgers now, because <clears throat> like, I think the Patriots won the Patriots obviously won so many Super Bowls because they, no. they, well, they created a culture of championships. Like every year they knew they were going to win, but well, that was the idea. Do you think the Dodgers now have that mindset or this was just like a one thing and they're just they'll have the mindset. They'll have the mindset, but mindset and actually are two different things. Yeah. So it's just not going to happen. What we saw with the San Francisco Giants was a rarity. Mm -hmm. right? Like to win three out of five. But notice they never won any back to back. Right. To win base to win at baseball back to back. It almost never happens because a lot of key guys are on like two year contracts. Right. You know what I mean? Like they'll win it and like the, a key piece goes at a free agency. It's just, it almost never happens. Um, dynasties in baseball, um, I think, probably died when Steinbrenner died. Um, it, it's, it's just not going to happen. Like the Dodgers are not going to win the World Series next year. They'll be heavily favorited. They'll make the playoffs. They'll go on a run. They right. might even make the World Series, but they're not going to win it again. I yeah. just don't believe that, that they will. I'm with you. Yeah, very, very few people talk about how good the San Francisco Giants were for those five, six-year span. Um, 
Yeah, Brian, won- Brian Wilson was was such a good closer back then. Well, and Buster Posey won uh, three World Series, uh, an MVP, and a Rookie of the Year award in his first like six years in the league. I'm like, okay, you're a Hall of Famer. You're not even 28. <laughs> Put him in the hall. Um, all right, uh, I got. I had one more question about baseball. What is it? Oh, here it is. How important do you think having a World Series trophy is for an individual player's Hall of Fame uh, career? Not that important. I think it goes back to what I just said, that winning a World Series is so incredibly difficult. Um, You know, like Barry Bonds never won a World Series, right? Never. Went Went to the World Series once, but never won it. Never won a World Series. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna hang that. You're gonna hang that on Barry Bonds' career. Like, come on. Yeah, um, well, you don't. Don't get me started on that. I'll talk for seven hours about Barry. I know you will. Um, <laughs> you know, no, I, I don't think it matters. I think it only helps, but I don't. Think yeah. it- I think you're right. I think you're right, and then you're also right. I'm super glad that Clayton Kershaw won one. He deserves it. What an absolute legend he is on and off the field. Um. Let's uh let's talk a little MLW uh and then I'll let you go. All right. Um so you're obviously signed to MLW, obviously. You're uh you're in the dynasty with Hammerstone, right? He's the only member of your group now. Yep, we fired Gino. And obviously MJF is not there anymore, even though when MJF was part of your group, I still thought you were the star of it. But that's a pers- that's a personal opinion. Uh, I think others share the same sentiment, but it is what it is. Um, so talk to me about what you think now that MLW has restarted, right? Things are back in action. Yep. Um, talk to me about why you think MLW, uh, is, is different than other wrestling and why people should watch it. Why people should specifically watch you. Yeah. More specifically me, but I will touch on MLW. Um, I, I think our, the name of our weekly show is, is so appropriate fusion. Like we really are a fusion of so many styles of pro wrestling. And I think court has done an amazing job of cultivating talent from around the world and cultivating relationships with different promotions from around the world, like pro wrestling, Noah, new Japan, AAA, and gaining all these wrestlers to be on our show and give consumers something different to watch every week. Like, like the endless amounts of matchups that we can have um, and different styles of wrestling is really through the roof. Like, if you want technical wrestling, if you want Lucha Libre, if you want hardcore, if you want, um, you know, just good looking guys like me who just go out there and do their thing, uh, you can get that in MLW. And more specifically me, I just think, and I know that I'm wildly entertaining. Um, you know, my segments, I feel like are the most entertaining on the show. And I think that the consumers would agree with that. Yeah. Well, this consumer, namely Jackson Stone does agree with you. Um, but you just had a you just had a banger match with TJP, right? I think I read that wrestling masterclass. A wrestling masterclass, which which is uh, always good to see, right? Do you I have a question because obviously you're good on the stick, right? Obviously you're good on the stick. You have a, a an undeniable charisma about you. You you uh, have this this you know, this aura about you, like that kind of big stars do, but I think people don't really give you enough credit for your in-ring ability. 
Right. And so is that a, that's a plan obviously in 2021 to, to fix that. Obviously you're already doing that with wrestling masterclasses. Yeah. I, I mean, it was so funny to me. Um, I had a match this time last year with Timothy Thatcher. I was just about to bring that up. Who is an excellent pro wrestler. And I had the match and consumers were, were tweeting and, and, and posting. Wow, I didn't know Richard can do that. Wow, this was Richard's best match ever. Wow, I didn't know Richard could do that. And the best match ever um, comments didn't bother me at all. But, you know, why would they? But like, the, I didn't know he can do that. Like, it's like, what do you guys think? Like, I just, like, faced Tim Thatcher and I just learned this, like, out of the blue. And it's just, like, I just, you know, decided, like, all of a sudden. It's like, no. Like, I just don't rely on my wrestling. Um, but, you know, we do live in an era now where wrestling is different than, than you know, when it was just solely you can, you know, talk yourself into a job. You do have to be able to go. Um, so yes, I, I do have a chip on my shoulder from that because it, it really like pissed me off when they said, I didn't know he can do that. Um, I kind of took it personally. So now every time I go out there, I try to have wrestling masterclasses, um, every single time, but never deviating from who I am, never trying to be something that I'm not because that's a foolproof plan to not be successful. Um, I am who I, I stick to my guns, um, but I can throw down a banger if I want to. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I've seen most of them. <laughs> um, and I know you feel the same way too. About my ability or about your ability? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, if you would ask me that question, like, Two years ago, yeah, I would have probably went on a rant, but now I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, just because, yeah, it doesn't wrestling is wrestling is great, and I love wrestling, and I'm going to continue to be an independent wrestler. But the views and the goals I've had going forward or moving up to a higher company or main eventing WrestleMania don't matter to me. So, okay, and that has and that has nothing to do with the pro wrestling business. I love the business. I enjoy. That's why I'm still heavily involved, and I want to change the culture of it, and I want to bring. Uh, a little bit different vibe to indie wrestling and, you know, and, and incorporate some of the stuff I'm doing with you are loved into the business. So we can add some, some more mental health care in that way. Um, but it's just about what I've gone through in my personal life and, and really what I feel I'm more purposeful about and, and where I see my life headed um, and what brings me a little bit more fulfillment. And yeah, absolutely, man. I commend that a hundred percent, you know? Um, but obviously I, you know, I watch wrestling, so I love it. Uh, it's great. Uh, it brings me a lot of joy still. Um, so what's, um, what are your intentions? You know, do you have intentions for the heavyweight championship? What do you and Hammerstone got planned? If you want to reveal that on this show, man, so much. Um, my intentions though, is, you know, the heavyweight championship, I think is obviously a goal of mine. But right now, Hammerstone it has his sights set in that, and you know, Hammer's my boy, so I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna go after the same chick he's going after. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that's what he's doing right now. Right now, I have the Caribbean Championship, and 
I'm making headlines with that championship. And I'm bringing that and making that. And I firmly believe this. I think the Caribbean championship is the most talked about championship on the show. Hmm. And I credit that to what I've been able to, to do with it. Um, you know, it, it's no secret that, you know, um, now Tim Donahue is involved in this, who was a, uh, if you're not familiar, I mean, the, the it was all over CBS Sports, Sports Illustrated, um, ESPN, everybody picked it up. Uh, that Tim Donahue was affiliated with MLW and specifically uh, the Caribbean champion, Richard Holiday. And he was a crooked referee from uh, 2002 that uh, uh, is infamous for sure. Um, but think about that, that, that national headlines now. And that's all because of what I've been able to do with the Caribbean championship. So that's my goal right now is to continue making that uh, the most talked about thing on the show. Uh, and just continue to elevate elevate my career synonymously with it. That's awesome. <clears throat> do you see? I know you have a few more years left in your MLW contract. Um, I do. Uh, do you see yourself staying there even longer than that, or just kind of playing it, seeing where it goes? I do. Um, a, a big reason of me resigning was my um, my foreshadowing of their success and our mm. success in the future, and where I think that the, our company can go. Um, you know, wrestling is in a really good state right now in the sense of it's getting more and more pop culture relevant for wrestling. And I think uh, more uh, major cable syndications want pro wrestling on their show. Uh, and right now we're on BN Sports, which is a which is a good channel. But I, I think that there's a chance for TBS or, you know, um, you know, ABC or whatever the case may be, a major channel. I do believe that, um, you know, and, that, and I, I'm not revealing anything here. I, this is just me foreshadowing. I, I think that we have a chance to get picked up by a major uh, network. Um, and I don't even know if that's a goal of court. I, I, I don't. I don't know if he wants to get picked up by a major cable because he has a really good vision of where the business is going and how big, and not just the progressing business, like the cable business. Like cable's almost dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, streaming is the is the big thing. Mm-hmm. We're on Fubu, um, we're on DAZone. Those are two excellent streaming platforms. So, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of of where the company wants to be in three to five years. I just know that it's going to be higher than where we're at now. Yeah, I mean YouTube, right? How many people watch YouTube, right? I mean. That platform itself, right? Obviously, you have to gain a following and all these things. But, I mean, YouTubers, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, are selling out the Staples Center just just because they have cool YouTube videos over the last, I don't know how long they've been doing it. But, right, there's a space for that in wrestling. There's a space for a show getting 13 to 14 million views every week and then every once in a while selling out the Staples Center. Like, how cool would that be? Yeah, unbelievable. You know, and how cool would it be to have, like, you know, a live show on just, just streaming on Hulu for wrestling every week. Like, there's, the possibilities are actually endless. And so you're so right. It doesn't have to be this channel or this. Like, I mean, people want entertainment and they want cool, unique entertainment. And wrestling gives all of that, right? If you're into action, we got it. If you're into characters, we got it, you know? If you're into stories, drama, emotion, real human beings expressing something they love in a different art form, we got it. 
You know, that's wrestling, yeah. right? People talk about all oh, what wrestling is like, it encompasses a wide variety of things. And if you really sit down and watch a season of it, and then we go into, okay, there's an off season for you guys too, because you're filming a season kind of like Lucha Underground did back in the day when that shit popped off hard, yeah. you know? Um, so there's so much stuff that any of these companies can do. And it's actually so exciting just as me as a fan looking at my friends doing like, where could you guys be in two years? Like, whoa. Yeah, it's exciting. It really is. It, it really is. The possibilities are absolutely endless. And so, yeah, I'm pumped for you, man. I'm excited you're, you got this spot. Because I remember being in, uh, what's that show? XWA, right? XW, like a few years ago before you signed to MLW and just kind of, you know, wondering what your path was. I was wondering the same thing. Like, where, where am I going to get signed? You know, now my vibe is different, obviously, like I just said. But, man, I'm pumped for you and and you getting a, a national platform and being able to express who you are in, in a cool way that people can see it. Thank you, bro. Seriously, it means the world. Um, but yeah, any other uh, closing remarks, closing thoughts, things you want to touch on, things you didn't get to say? No, just if you're a consumer and you watch this uh, excellent deep dive of an interview, um, just follow me on social media. Yeah. Instagram and Twitter made it nice and easy for you. At most marketable. Yeah, I tried really hard in this uh, to ask you some good questions. <laughs> I enjoyed the, the, the hell out of this. I mean, really, it's because it's because we're friends. But yeah, it's probably pretty easy. We have these. Yeah, we have these conversations all the time. Well, not as much regularly anymore. But you know, when we were close, we were closer together. Yeah, but this was all proximity. To just chat with you for an hour. I loved it. Yeah, I think we almost went like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's like 915. Jeez. Um, but yeah, dude, I really appreciate you doing this for me. Um, I'll send the check in the mail. Uh, <laughs> PayPal me. You don't have to pay for shipping. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Venmo. I'll Venmo you. Um, but, uh, yeah, as always, um, thanks for watching this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you liked it, please share it with a friend. Um, if you didn't like it, tell me why. And I hope to make it better. Uh, but rate, subscribe, like, comment. Uh, DM me, whatever. Follow Richard. Follow MLW. Um, they got a show on Fusion. What every Thursday? Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. I think it's live on YouTube. Um, and if you need more information, follow Richard because he'll he's tweeting about it all the time. Um, but again, thanks, Richard. I appreciate you. Um, talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thank you. <laughs>